Good to see you today. Glad that you're here. A um, couple of quick things as we're getting started. The first one is our kids got back from camp last Saturday, and so we didn't have time to get anything ready to show you, but Teresa has put together uh, just some pictures and stuff, and so we're going to have that running on the screen here for a second so you can see a little bit of what they did, and she sent me this message to read to you this morning, just to kind of an update on what they did, and uh, this is from her. I'm just reading it, so she said, our children attended Crossings summer camp at Jonathan Creek. We took 32 children and seven adventurous adults. We parked out, that was the theme for the week, we parked out in John 15, learning to abide in Christ and learning ways to grow in a deeper relationship with him. The teaching was woven into every activity, even with tubing on the lake, laser tag, cookie decorating, the gospel was highlighted during and after the activity. The focus of the week was to say no to just religious activity and say yes, yes to an abiding relationship with Christ. One of the highlights of the week was learning about a mission opportunity in Kentucky and being able to give and pray for that mission work. Many children took a step closer to Jesus during the week, and as we follow up in the following weeks, we hope that we get to celebrate baptisms as a result of that. Thank you for praying and supporting our kids at summer camp. And so we'll finish the pictures there. But they had a great few days. Both of my girls went and had a great time. Had a great time not having their parents around too, I think. <laughs> it was the first thing they had done like that without us. Um, and our kids are going to come in at the end of the service today so that we can all take uh, the Lord's Supper together as part of worship. And so you can just start preparing your heart and mind for that as well. That that's going to be part of our worship today. Um, and then also... It's in the worship guide, the notes in the bulletin there, and you may have heard it on the announcement video a minute ago, but we're going to start something new at the end of this month, the fourth Sunday of every month. I'm just going to hang out for a while and have more informal than what we are in here. Some of you, it may be, this is too many people for me to talk. I get that. Or it may just be, there's a question I want to ask, but I don't really feel like I should ask it in here. And especially as we're working through Ephesians, I know I've talked a lot the past two times I've been up here, like, a whole lot last time and a lot the time before. I anticipate we're wrapping up chapter one today, but I want that to be to give you a chance to talk about the things that God's been teaching you and that you're seeing in this chapter so that you do the majority of that. I've got a few thoughts about the prayer at the end of that chapter when we get to the end. Um, but I know we've covered some deep and heavy and hard stuff, and maybe there's some lingering questions that you want to talk through some more. And so the fourth Sunday of every month, we're going to hang out. If you want to ask questions about anything that's come up during the month, that's going to be a time for that. But also, more than that, you know, the, the, one of the main things we hope every week is that we're encountering God in the Bible in such a way where all of us are leaving and saying, hey, that wasn't some kind of like professional performance that we're going to come back next week and that's the only place we can get that. But rather, this is what God wants for all of us all the time, to encounter him in his word in this way so that we can point other people to him and we can bring other people to his word. And so, but a piece of that is that if you all start taking steps in that direction and the stuff that we do here on a Sunday morning during the week, you're really intentional. But I want to share this with other people. I want to study the Bible with other people this way. I know questions may pop up during the week that we didn't cover here. And so if you want to come back on that fourth Sunday, be like, hey, here's some stuff that we've been talking about. Can we talk through that? That would be awesome during that time. If you just have questions about friendship in general, like whatever makes it work for you, 
we just wanted to create a new thing that we're doing where we can have a little more conversation, help you get connected and plugged in more. And one of the big things, just so we're transparent, that I really hope grows out of that time is that we can launch some new community groups this fall. Um, it would be awesome for us as a church if we could start 10 new community groups. And this isn't like sitting set in stone, it needs to be this way, but um, we've talked to some of the staff, and I was talking to Keith the other day about this, and Keith and Adam and I have had some conversations. You know, this fall, if we could start three community groups, and whether they meet here on campus, you know, on a Wednesday night when we've got childcare here, or if we need to start a new time here, or in your homes, and your homes would be great, but have to be at work, coffee break, lunchtime, whatever. If we could start three groups for women, and we're talking like three to four people, the some of you in here together and then reaching people that you know that aren't connected to church anywhere. Three groups for women, three groups for men, three to four men. A couple of groups of couples, three to four couples meeting together with kids and maybe a couple of groups for couples without kids because sometimes those schedules are just easier. <laughs> and it, and it doesn't, they can be mixed. It doesn't have to be what I just said. But that would be ten groups right there. And if we could get you know, our people plugged into those groups and then every one of those groups with the intention of how do we reach some people who aren't sitting anywhere on a Sunday morning? You know, they're not getting up and they're coming, not coming to a building. How do we go to them? How do we really be the church? And if us having these conversations once a month can help you and spur you on and, and maybe give you a place where, where you're, if one of your big hesitations is, I just don't know what I would say. What if they ask something I don't know? Great. Say, hey, by the end of the month, we're going to have a Q&A at church, and I'll get an answer for you. Now, don't wait for that Q&A. You could find a lot of these answers. But if it just gives you one more resource to be more intentional about, I know God's calling me to do this in my life. I want to be part of that. And so we're going to keep asking you to really be thinking seriously, is God calling me to start a community group? And I don't care to say to lead it, but that's different. You know by now that's different than teaching. Like we aren't asking you to feel like, hey, I've got to teach for an hour every week. You don't have to teach at all. Pray, read a section of the Bible, and ask, what's this teach about God? And partner with some people to look at the Bible together and to know God more. And when things come up where you're like, I don't know the answer to that, that's okay. Be honest. Like the past two weeks, I've told you, I don't know how to explain the stuff we've been talking about. Like we can talk about it over and over and over, but I really don't know. And we just say, well, let's just look at the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. We'll ask God to keep helping us understand that. And so anyway, I'd love for you to come that fourth Sunday here coming up in three weeks. But, you know, anytime you do something brand new, we've got no idea what it's really going to look like. None of you may stay. Half of you may stay. And so it would really help us, if you will, on, on the connection card there. Tell us if you're thinking about staying this first time so we know, do we need to be in here? Can we be like in an itty-bitty room with three chairs? Do we need 50 pizzas? Do we need one pizza? Teresa's going to have your kids, if that helps you. And also, if you want to stay 15 minutes and just see what's this like, ask one question, and then go, you're welcome to leave. If you want to stay two hours, I'll stay, all right? Like this, mainly, I know we called it friendship Q&A. This is actually friendship test of endurance and insanity. Like, how many of you are insane enough that after this time, you're like, I want to hear him talk some more? Because <laughs> I talk way too long. I know I do. And, and I do want to say that about last week. I talked too long. That was one of my thoughts about last week. And my second thought was, there was 10 things I meant to say that I didn't say. <laughs> I'm not going to say them this week unless they come up over the next few weeks as we work through Ephesians because I want to hear from you. But even as we work through that first section of the book, if there are things you thought, well, he didn't really address this or he didn't talk about this or I've still got this huge question about it. Me too. 
<laughs> I do too, and we can talk about it in a few weeks if you want to. You can always email anytime. But really, would you be praying about how God wants to use you to connect to a few other people in our church and also to connect to some people outside of our church so that all of you could be walking together in closer community, closer relationship on a weekly basis and saying, let's try to encounter God together in his word. And so just pray about that, like really intentional. I'm not just saying that and then we're going to do something else. Like I'm saying that and we're going to do this because I want that to come out of it. And we're going to do this again next week because we want that to come out of it. And we're going to do this again the week after that because we want that to come out of it. And we're going to meet on the fourth Sunday afterwards because we want that to come out of it. And that's the best way I know how to say it. So we're going to do that right now. But the exact same thing that I hope we'll all be doing on a daily basis in our own lives, on a weekly basis with some other people that God brings into our lives. I'm going to pray for us and ask God to teach us by his spirit. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, and I'm going to ask you to be listening what the spirit prompts in your heart during this time. What are truths that God is revealing about himself? What does this teach us about God, who he is, how he works, what he has done, his nature, his character, uh, about God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit? And you share some of those. I will do my best like, to keep my side wound down a little bit this week because you've heard a whole lot of my thoughts on this chapter already. And then we'll work our way towards uh, the Lord's Supper and celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus for us and his life, death, and resurrection. So let's pray together, and we'll jump into Ephesians 1. Father, thank you for this time right now. Please teach us by your Spirit, from your Word, as only you can. I ask, Father, that you will do a spiritual work by your grace and by the power of your spirit that you would continue to build us up into your church. And I do ask, Father, that you would produce the type of spiritual fruit in our lives where we are growing as followers of Jesus, that we are growing as his disciples, and that you would use us as we grow as disciples to make more disciples. I pray specifically for the small group aspect of our church life, that you would help all of us, every single one of us, to be connected in relationships and connected in community with a handful of people in this church where we can live out the one another commands of the New Testament with each other, that we can love one another and serve one another and pray for one another and care for one another and, and everything else that you tell us that it should look like if we really are connected as the church. And then I pray also, Father, that, that you would open doors for those relationships with people outside this church and outside the church, people who are far from Jesus, disconnected from church, don't know Jesus at all, and that you would use us to point them to you, to pray with them, to bring them to your word. And Father, I ask that in the next few months that you would bring to life at least 10 new community groups in our church. Ten new places for people to connect, to know one another, to know you more, to pray together, to study the Bible together, and that you would use us to reach people that, that you want to reach. People that need to know you, people that have no idea who you are, that we could help them see the truth of who you are. Not our thoughts, not the world's thoughts, not anybody else's thoughts, but the truth of who you are as you've shown us in your word. And so, Father, I pray that this time right now, that you would be working in us, 
in your church, in your people, to bring about the things that you intend when you tell us to be your disciples and to make disciples. And so, Father, please do that right now because you're the only one who can. I can't make this happen. I can't manufacture it. None of us can produce it. And so we ask you to move and work by your Spirit and do what only you can do. We trust you to do it because of Jesus. And so it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, Ephesians 1. What's this teach us about God? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory." For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, that's Ephesians 1. What's that teach us about God? True wisdom is the knowledge of God. John said verse 17 here. That's, verse 17 is so important for what we're doing right now, what we do every week, what I just spent 10 minutes asking you to do in your personal life and community groups. Um, this is one of the core verses that drives me to think this is what we're supposed to be doing as a church. Because think about what this letter is. 
This is Paul, who was called by God as an apostle and a missionary to start all these new churches around the world. Like when the gospel's first spreading for the first time, and he had, there's a church in Ephesus now, and he's writing letters back to them. As he travels and starts other churches in other places, he writes this letter back to them. Like, this is what I want for you as a church, is basically what he's saying. Here's what I'm praying for you, that God will do for you in this church. And he says, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so think, Paul's already taught them. Like when he was there, taught, started the church, he taught them this stuff. Now he's writing them this letter, but he doesn't say, hey, my human intelligence, my, my word plays here, the way I'm going to explain this stuff, when you read it, that'll be enough. Just you get information and you'll know more, and you'll know more spiritual truth, you'll know more religious truth, and that'll be enough. And he says, no, the only way that what needs to happen in the church, the only way that what needs to happen in your hearts is going to happen is if God does it. So I'm asking God to do it, and specifically, he's got to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation not just so you'll have more knowledge, not just so you'll be smarter, not just so you'll know a few more religious facts and you can follow your religious rituals, but in the knowledge of Him. That I want God to help you know Him more. That that all true wisdom will be grounded in knowing who God is. And you see right here, you know, every week when we start with, we're going to depend on God and ask God to do this. This is what Paul's doing. I'm not an apostle. Right? I'm not inspired by the Spirit to write the, these. Like, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this to the church. You might say, well, that's enough then. And Paul's like, no, I'm. Look at this. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remember, like, I'm always praying. This is an ongoing thing that God would keep revealing Himself to you more and more and more. Always. Never done with that. Like, I know you know Him. You need to know him more. <laughs> and I know I'm teaching you things in this letter. He's got to show you who he is more. Hey, I, you can learn everything in this letter, and if you miss him, it's pointless. You can learn every religious fact, every historical fact about the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you miss God, it's pointless. But there's this, there's this aspect of the whole thing, deeper than the whole thing, surrounding the whole thing, redeeming the whole thing, giving meaning and significance to the whole thing that only the Spirit of God can do for you. And then when you skip down to verse 18 here, having the eyes of your hearts in light. And this is how you know it's not just a human thing. He's not just talking about physical eyes. And you can say the same thing here. Like He's not just talking about your physical mind, your intellectual abilities. And there's something spiritual that has to happen, that your heart has to see this truth. And specifically, just see it again, your heart has to see the truth about who God is. That the Spirit has to do something in your heart so your heart sees who God is. That's the point of the whole thing. Everything grows out of that. And that's why, like as much of a broken record as I may be, and some of you might be, is he going to say this forever? As long as God lets me be here, I'm going to say this forever, all right? <laughs> like I just, I am, because I'm sure this is what it says. That's why week after week we're saying, let's pray together. And then when you're in your personal life, you pray this way, like dependent on the Spirit. And when you're in a group of, of three or four people, when you're in one of these small groups, ask God to do this. He's the only one who can do it. And if we don't start, like if we start in a place of, hey, let's just dive in and do this our way, and we're not consciously depending on God, we're missing the very thing that he's the only one who can do this. And this is the whole point. So that's just starting with that prayerful dependence on the Spirit. God, will you teach us as only you can right now? We need you to do something that we can't do. And we trust you to do it. We're asking you to do it. And then 
the reason why, when we ask that question, what's this teach about God? Do you see right here that he's saying that's the whole point? That you would read this and grow in the knowledge of him. And if we read this and we don't think about him, I know that sounds weird that we would read the Bible and not think about God, but it's really easy to do. It's really easy to read the Bible and walk away with some facts about what happened in that narrative. You know, some facts about ancient Israel or some facts about Rome when Paul was there. Or it's easy to read the Bible and walk away with a religious to-do list that's all about you. Like, here's the things that I need to do to whatever, be a better church member, be more religious, be a better employee, be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better parent. Here's the things I need to do to teach my children how to obey me. But like, and it's not that that stuff isn't in there, but do you see that all of that stuff has to be built on a knowledge of who God is? That knowing God shapes how all that stuff plays out in your life. And if you rip that stuff out of a knowledge of God, what you have is not Christianity anymore. You just got another moral code that you can live by. But Christianity is built on the supernatural grace of God when he sends his spirit to live inside of you and change your heart, right? Enlighten the eyes of your heart, change you from the inside out, and you're now in a relationship with him and you know him more, and because of who he is and because he lives inside of you, he produces all this stuff. And that is, that is light and darkness difference. Night and day difference, 180 degree difference from, hey, here's a list of rules, some things I can do. I read this. This is about my behavior. I better go try to live this way in my own strength. That's not Christianity. It's not about you. It's not about your behavior. It's not about what you do. It's about who he is, and who he is changes you. But if your behavior changes and it's not because he's changing you, that's not the point. That's not Christianity. That's not a relationship with God. That's not faith in him. That's not reliance on him. That's not the work of Jesus in you that will ultimately glorify God because someday when it's all said and done, people look at your life and they say, okay, here's the good stuff you did. You won't be able to say, oh, it's because Jesus did it in me. You'll just say, well, yeah, I tried really hard. And it'll be for your own credit. And it won't be for God's glory. And that's the core of all sin still. <laughs> like You can do all your good stuff in your strength and not glorify God. If you rely on him and learn who he is and he's at work in you, that's Christianity. All right, I'm doing a great job letting y'all talk. <laughs> what else you got? Thanks, John. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah. Man, you are. You are hitting home runs right now. So yeah, so five, according to the purpose of his will. That all, you know, all these verses here that Adam's talking about are the gospel. Like it's every piece of the gospel you can think of. The way that God chooses you and loves you and forgives you and, and redeems you and adopts you and seals you and gives his spirit and, and makes you an heir with Christ and guarantees your inheritance. Like there's this whole list of gifts and blessings and grace that God gives to you. That, listen, it is so good for us. And that's what Adam's saying. Like all these good things that God is doing for us, giving to us, the way that Paul said it up here in verse 3 was that he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So all the spiritual blessings that you'll ever need in the heavenly realms, God is giving you in Jesus. 
But in the middle of, so here's all the good stuff God is giving you. You could ask the question, why? And even there, if we're not careful, we'll turn Christianity into this self-centered thing that's about me. Right? God gave me this stuff for me. <laughs> or God gave me this stuff because I'm so good. Or because I deserve it. Or because once he gave me this stuff, he knew I would work real hard and make it worth it to him. <laughs> right? the, it's not that I earned it up front, but it's I'm going to spend the rest of my life paying him back. You know, that's the guilt after the fact gospel. <laughs> Where I, well, I, Jesus did all this for me. I've got to do all this for him now. Let me tell you, that's exhausting. You know why? You're never going to be able to do what Jesus did for you. <laughs> like you'll spend the rest of your life, well, that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. And, and I always, like, I'm sorry, Jesus, I didn't pay you back. No, you didn't pay him back enough. He's not asking you to pay him back. <laughs> He's telling you it's free for you because of what he paid. And so we can turn all this good stuff that God gives us into something that we think is about us. It's for us, but it's not about us. And we see right here, why? Why is God so gracious to you? Why is God so good to you? Why has God given you all these blessings of the gospel in Jesus? Because it was the purpose of his will. This is something that he chose in his heart, something he planted. It's his plan. He's working it out. He's bringing it about. And it's great for us. That he lets us be part of it. And he chooses, like in his heart, he has purposed something that will be a blessing to us. It will be love to us. It will be grace to us. But according to the purpose of his will, you see it there in 5. And then, Adam, you said 9 and 11. According to his purpose in 9. And then 11, we get it repeated again. Who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That this whole thing... This is God's plan. This is God's story. This is about God. God's the one doing it, and he's doing it for his purposes. And there's just a, listen, there is a wonderful humility for us in that if we start to believe it, of this thing isn't built on me. This thing doesn't depend on me. It's not about me. I am not at the center like right here is the core of all sin for us from Adam and Eve until now. The moment they sin till right now in your heart, the core of it is God was supposed to be at the center and I put myself at the center instead. This thing was supposed to be about God and I made it about me. My life, my heart was supposed to be turned up toward God and I've turned in on myself. I was created to be a God-centered being and I have become a self-centered being. And every time that I'm the definition for myself instead of God, every time I'm the reason for myself instead of God, every time my mind and heart and thoughts run to me first instead of him, that is the core and root of all sin bubbling up out of my heart and expressing itself in my life in some way. And let me tell you, that is default for me. Even if it's not for you, it is for you. But even if it's not for you, that is default for me. Like I am so stinking self-centered. Like, I'm so self-centered that it's like a fish being in water. Like, it's just normal and natural. and It doesn't even feel like it's weird. We had actually had this conversation with the girls yesterday. We were driving to visit grandparents and swim in their neighborhood pool. And we hit traffic on the interstate. And our first reaction was, oh, man, we're going to be late. This is terrible. How does this affect us? And we had the conversation of, you know, somebody's had a wreck up here. What does this reveal about our hearts? That our only thought is, how inconvenient is this for me? Like, we can check ourselves and say, this is really terrible for them. 
a car's probably messed up. They may be hurt. It could be really serious. We don't know yet. We're not there. But my first thought isn't concern for them. It's not we should pray for them. It's not I'm really sorry that ha- right here. And I know that's silly and that's small, and you may think, oh, that's not. It does. Like, it does reveal what's going on in my heart. It reveals what's going on in your heart. It reveals that I start with me. And the gospel is God coming and saying, I'm going to put my spirit in you because my spirit, this is God talking, my spirit starts with me. <laughs> and I'm going to start doing something new in you. And every time you live by my spirit, he'll reorient you. And you'll start with me. And then from, from God, then you'll flow to others. Like, you will start to look at others the way that God looks at us. And you'll be able to look at yourself the way that God looks at you. And so it's a humbling thing here to realize, hey, this is about him. He's going to be at the center. And then also, just as much as it's humbling to say it's not about you, it is amazingly encouraging and freeing if you ever really get a hold of this. Because it's about him and not about you. (laughs) The weight of the world isn't on your shoulders. This whole thing, it is, and God's not looking at you saying, hey, I want you to come up with a plan and purpose and counsel that's good for the whole world and best for my glory, and then you figure out a way to bring it about, and then make sure that you've got enough strength and wisdom to make it happen. It's not what he's saying to you. He's saying, I've already done all that. <laughs> Listen to me. Know me. Be connected to what I'm already doing. Trust me that I know how to do this thing, and trust me that I know how to do it in you. And so there's so much freedom there. There's so much relief of this doesn't depend on you and it's not all on you. And I know this connects back to what we talked about the past couple of weeks a lot about how hard it is for us to understand these eternal purposes of God and how they interact with us. And, and I know that I didn't untangle all that mystery last week especially. But I did have one of those thoughts that I left out that is standing out to me right now. Is I want you to just to back away from this thought of, okay, so all things according to the counsel of his will. It's his purposes. He's bringing it about. Like if that's the truth, the deepest reason for what goes on in your life, so that's one hand, it's God. Or, you know, when we object to that and we come up with, well, here's the difficulties I have with that, here's why I don't understand that, you know, here's the other option, that that's not true. That this whole thing isn't playing out because of who God is and what he's planned and purpose and what he's bringing about. And so if not, then the stuff that happens in you ultimately depends on you, right? But if he's not the one doing this work in you and bringing it about, then you've got to do it. So those are kind of your two options. Now, I want you to think about everything we just read in Ephesians 1. Like All these wonderful things about God. How he loves you, his goodness and grace towards you, that he's a father who adopts you as his child, that he forgives you, cleanses, like washes, takes your sins away, that he pays the price for them, he gives you his own spirit, that he has power to raise the dead, And by that power now, Jesus rules as king over all things, and he's giving Jesus to you as the head of this church, you know, as as the the leader and the life-giving one, like just all the good stuff. So think about who God is and all the good things about him. And I want you to be honest about who you are and, and be honest about who you are. What are your best qualities? You can think about them. And then let's be honest, what are your worst qualities? All right? Kind of stack all this up. Here's who God is. Here's who I am. Who would you rather be in control of this whole thing? Is it really so bad that the Bible says, hey, God's the deepest reason for this, not you? (laughs) Is that such an abhorrent doctrine? Would you rather it be about you? I mean, who are you? 
Listen, if you know my heart, you don't want it to be about me. You don't want it to depend on me. If it depends on me, this isn't happening. Whether it's just that you're not able, you're not strong enough, you're not wise enough, or you're not good enough. Like, would it be a better world for you if you could say, oh yeah, all this stuff about it depending on the purposes of his will from eternity past. Forget that. Let it depend on my will and what I'm able to bring about. Would that actually be a good thing? We got a million more problems if that's true. <laughs> like, yes, I understand election, predestination, they create big problems because like, we try to wrap our mind around it. What I don't want to do is trade my big problems for bigger problems. <laughs> And if that's not true, and it depends on me, you've got way bigger problems than this little theological, intellectual, philosophical stuff. Like, I don't know if I understand that. Over here, it's like, you're done. It's hopeless. <laughs> yeah, you cut off the branch you were sitting on, right? All right, so, Adam, what was the actual truth? Because we just, I got excited about what you're saying. And God, God works all things according to the purpose of his will. Is that good work? And then, how about this? God's purposes are really, really good for us. And they are always about him. And this is getting long, but you can do it. Because of him. God's purposes are really, really good for us. They're a gift that he gives to us. But the gift, and the gift always does this, the gift reveals something about the giver, right? It shows who he is. Like, it's about him. He's the one that purchased the gift, and he's the one who gave the gift, and it's something in him that prompts him to give gifts. Otherwise, they're not gifts. And if it's something that you earn, something that you deserve, something that you merit, it's not him. But that's not what any of this stuff is. And it's because of who he is, it's about him, and it's good for us. That's a really good balance, I feel like, to everything in, in Ephesians 1. What else do you see? Yeah, so this prayer that Paul is praying... You know, we stopped at the, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. This spiritual work where he opens up your heart to see who he is and know him on a deep, spiritual, relational heart level. He goes on in that prayer and says, so here's what I want you to know. Like when you know God, here's the things I want you to know about God. That he's given you a hope. He's called you to this hope. He's blessed you with riches of glorious inheritance in the same, like with the whole body of believers, all the church, universal. And then this immeasurably great power, it's his, right? Still about him because of him, but he's given it to us, like toward us who believe. He's pouring out his infinite, unlimited power on his church, his people, for his purposes. Like this is how God is bringing about the eternal purpose of his will 
in history that he's pouring out his power on you. Do you even see this? Like, do we see this in the Bible? Do we believe this? Do we understand what is happening when he's at work in his church? When you, it doesn't have to be here, but when you come here and you see him a little bit more, he's doing this in that moment. When you get up tomorrow morning and you pray and you say, God, I'm tired and I can't even read this right now because i got so much gunk in my eyes. But will your spirit just please right now teach me the way only you can? And you read five verses and you ask, what's this, God, what's this teach me about you right now? And he gives you this truth that you start to carry throughout the day and it just, just changes your heart this much for that day. And then you encounter somebody during your week and you're like, I, I can do that with them. Hey, can could we, could we pray together and read these five verses and see what it teaches us about God? Like, this is what's happening in those moments. Something massive and spiritual and cosmic and epic that fits in the eternal purposes of God by the limitless, immeasurable power of God as he does what he's going to do through his church, through his people. The one thing that I hope happens as we work through Ephesians and you see who God is and how he's working over and over and over is that all of us would be a little more in awe of what the church really is if it's defined by who God is. Like just how precious and amazing and central to the plans of God because that's how he's chosen to do it. Is it just something that we do once a week on Sunday mornings for an hour and a half when you're stuck with me, but you know, an hour in a lot of places? Like it's not. But he's building something living and dynamic by his spirit to work out his purposes in the world. And so that power toward us who believe this is where Ken was, the working of his great might that he worked in Christ. Do you want to know how strong this power we're talking about is? That this power took Jesus when he was dead and brought him back to life. And then raised Jesus, his whole next section is that Jesus is above all, like he's king of all. Like he raised Jesus and put him over everything. Like the power that could take a dead man who had been beaten and crucified and in the grave for three days and bring him back to life and then exalt him as king over the universe. God offers that power to us as his church. Like He's not saying, hey, go figure out a way to, to do this. <laughs> he's not saying, work real hard, try real hard, be real good and pull this thing off for me. He's saying, I'll give you everything I have in Jesus to do this through you. And if you don't think that's what he's saying, look at this, and this one stood out to me, and so Ken's got us here. He put all things under Jesus' feet, gave him as head over all things to the church. Now, I want you to think about the flow of thought here, because I miss a, an important part a lot of times. One thing this says, and I'm going to go ahead and write it down, is that Jesus is the head of the church. And if, if we were trying to list like all the applications right now, you could put 100 under here. Let me try to rattle a few off without going into too much detail really quickly. This truth right here. First of all, this means this is Jesus' church. It belongs to him, not us. He's the head. He's the leader. He's the primary authority. We're his body, but like he's the one that should be making the decisions. That's how it's supposed to work in your body, right? 
So Jesus is the leader. That's one of the reasons why we have multiple elders. Because we don't want there to be any confusion or thought that there's one person here who's the, I'm not the leader, Keith isn't the leader, Adam's not the leader. Right? Like none of us have that sole authority because Jesus is the leader. And this isn't in the Bible, but we think it's a wise practice. One of the reasons that we think it's good generally to have an odd number of elders is so that if one of us is out of line with Jesus, like the other two, you know, a majority can come speak into our life and say, hey, you're not living or leading right now like Jesus is the head of the church in this area. And it's not, there's no magic number, by the way, of three, five, seven, but, and it doesn't have to be odd. I just think that it is a helpful way to say, hey, we're going to make sure that authority is spread out, humanly speaking, in such a way that it's no one person. And if any of us get out of line, we're asking God to speak through the others to bring us back into line. There's mutual accountability and shared leadership because Jesus is the head. It's also why that, that we've pushed toward having multiple teachers on a regular basis, you know, multiple people up here this year, multiple times, because it's easy, even if you've got like a multiplicity of elders kind of behind the scenes trying to make decisions for the church and help lead, if one person's here all the time, it's easy to think, well, like, he's the leader among leaders. I am not. Like, even if I'm up here more than, I'm not. Jesus is the head. It's also a huge piece of why we study the Bible this way. Because if I or anyone else gets up here and like the main The main material, the main source of what we say is my thoughts, my opinions, my whatever. Then it's, again, it seems like, well, the reason we're doing what we're doing is because of what Andy thinks. You know, all his explanation. But if we come up here and we're like, what does the Bible say? And every time there's a truth, let's mark it over here in the scripture so you know it came from the Bible and not from me. And not even from you. Like, even by opening it up and letting you share some of the truths, it's not like I'm walking in here and it's like, this is what's going to happen every single week and I'm going to control the message. It's not. This is not my message. This is God's message to the church and we're asking the church to participate in hearing it and sharing it. And it's a really healthy thing for us. Like a really, really healthy thing that we want there to be an environment where we're really saying, hey, we're trying to acknowledge that Jesus really is the head. And I know you don't see him right now, but you can see his word. And you can see his truth and his spirit can speak to you. And it's the same way then as we move into community groups. We're saying, hey, this whole thing doesn't depend on you bringing people in here to an event to hear one person because that person's not the person. <laughs> right? We're his body. You're as much his body as I am. And he said, I'm going to use my body to reach the world. And so again, if we like enable and facilitate a view of the church where the main thing is for you to get people in here to hear one person, we don't realize that Jesus is the head and we're all his body. I mean, do you see how huge this is? It also means that whatever Jesus says goes. And I think we spend way too much time in our typical church culture coming up with our plans and our ideas and our way of doing things and say we have basically our marketing strategies and our programs and, and uh, here, here's what we'll do to build some momentum and gather a crowd and, and we'll create some results that we can measure and see and celebrate. And we spend all this time thinking about that and not nearly enough time to say, what has Jesus said his church is supposed to be like? Like if Jesus, if Jesus has said things like go and make disciples, 
Why has so much of our energy been focused on come and build a crowd? If Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, why is the source of so much of what we do worldly wisdom and worldly strategies instead of prayer and fasting and dependence on the Spirit? If Jesus says that he's the head of the church, why is so much of what we do centered on human personalities and human abilities and human charisma? Jesus is the head. And he's told us what he's doing. He's even told us how he's going to do it. He's going to give us his spirit to live in us and make us his disciples. Like you have the power of the living God inside of you. (laughs) What else do you need? He raised Jesus from the dead and made him king over all. And he gave his spirit to you. You can start a community group this week. We're aiming too low, even with that. He wants to take over the world, reclaim it as his own, and we're his people for that. Jesus is the head of the church. So now all that is, this is, it's his thing. And so if we come in and say stuff that doesn't line up with his word, First of all, ignore it. Secondly, confront us about it, all right? Anybody that's up here. But also, even more than that, if we say stuff that doesn't line up with the word, ignore it. But even more than that, if we say stuff and we can't say, look, this is, this is because Jesus is telling us to do this. And like, we see how this is our attempt to work that out. Like, we know what he's told us to do. We know how he's told us to do it. We're trying to live that out right now. We want to do that stuff. But it's, it's his plan, it's his church, it's his purposes, it's his power. So all that, though, that's how great Jesus is. God's put him above everything. Seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet. So that's who Jesus is. But then look what God does with Jesus, because I flip this. I flip this every single time. And gave him as head over all things to the church. The one who is king and God over all, Jesus. You would think that it would say, and so God takes the church and gives the church to Jesus as a gift. Right? And, and the emphasis of this verse would be on, hey, you, you belong to Jesus. You're supposed to be for Jesus. But God flips around. This is the gospel and this is grace. God says, think about how great Jesus is. I'm giving him to you as a gift. Jesus being your head is a gift to you because this is the best head you could ever have. Like Who else is going to be king and God and head and authority over the church that would be better for the church? Like It's not a bad thing when we say this is Jesus' church and Jesus knows what it needs to be. And let's this is the best thing that could ever happen to us. This is a gift to us when God gives Jesus to us as the head of the body. If you replace Jesus with anybody else, is it getting better or worse? It's getting so much worse. And so, again, God says, yeah, yes, Jesus is king over all. 
He deserves everything from you. And our natural human religious reaction will be, so the, so the thrust here of this passage is going to be, so I've got to give everything to him. And God's like, no. I'm telling you, I'm giving him to you. <laughs> Do you hear that the way I'm hearing that? I've read it over and over and over this week. And it's like everything in like my natural bent of flesh and self-reliance and, and like self-righteous religion would be, oh, if Jesus is this important, then the message is, I've got to give everything to him. And God's like, no, right now the message of the gospel is, I'll give him to you. The one who's that important. I'll attach him to your church. I'll make him the head of your church. I'll put his spirit inside of you. He will live in you. The king of the universe will live in you by his spirit. His power will be given to you as a gift to accomplish his purposes. You will be his. You'll be his people. You'll be connected to him, claimed by him, loved by him, belonging to him, used by him. It's beyond human comprehension that God would treat us this way. What else? A couple more. It's all, always in Jesus. And just in case you couldn't hear that, or if you're online, he said back when you were jabbering a minute ago, uh, Tyson and I get to do lunch together every now and then, and so he knows it's perfectly fine to make fun of the fact that I do jabber a lot, because I do, and it's true, and you can always make fun of it. Um, and he's right, like that everything we're saying here is in him. And Last week, I tried to point out that if we got hung up, even, even though we spent about a week and a half talking about election predestination, which can be valuable because it's part of what God's done in the gospel, and it's a hard one for us to understand, so it's okay to wrestle with it, with it if it helps us know God more, if it helps us appreciate his grace more. But I tried to point out at the very beginning that that's not the main point of this passage. And if that's all we see, that we're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable, the emphasis on the wrong syllable, right, that, that we're... We're focusing on one thing that's not the main thing. Well, you could say, in a sense, that while that's one gift of God, every one of these gifts of God are in Jesus. That the main thing is what Tyson just said. It's in him. And just look at how many times this happens. In, let's just do verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. So here, your blessings, in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, was he has blessed us in the beloved, who again is Jesus. In him, this is the verse that Tyson took us to, we have redemption through 
his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Do you see how, if you read this, and first of all, don't see Jesus, but secondly, don't see primarily who God is that you've missed the point. Like if you read this and, and all we talk about is predestination or any other doctrine or any other fact and you walk away some biblical knowledge and you don't walk away knowing Jesus and being in awe of Jesus and being amazed about everything that God's done for us in Jesus, you've missed the point. Like, that's not me coming and saying, hey, let's come up with a framework to study the Bible. We'll say that it's about God and that'll work. Like that is what the Bible's saying. Like we're saying, let's look at the Bible and see what it says. Okay, it says that it's all about God and the best way to see God is through Jesus. So everything we do, let's ask, what's this teach about God? And every time we do that, let's look to Jesus because he reveals God the best. Like the best way we're going to know who God is to look to Jesus because everything God's done is in him, in him, in him, in Christ, through Jesus Christ, in him, in him, in him, by him, for him, through him. Like it's all about Jesus. And again, how easy is it for us as a church to be about a hundred other things. Things that are flashier or more popular. Things that can build a crowd. Things that are fun or make us feel successful. Things that we can measure. How, how quickly does our message become something else? And maybe things that seem good. Here's all of our acts of service. Let's, let's all be really, really busy doing a lot of good things. Those good things are good. There should be acts of service flowing out of your heart when the Spirit of Christ lives in you. But that shouldn't be your identity. Right? Or, or we've, got, we've got nice facilities. We've got a lot of people who come. And this is what we're measuring. Like, this is how we measure success, by that type of numerical growth. Whether it's money or people or square footage, that stuff can be used by God. We want to reach people. We want people to know who Jesus is. It's not, but if that becomes your identity if that becomes your goal, if that becomes your focus, if that's what motivates everything we do, we've missed the entire point of God from all eternity past to all eternity future and the only purpose for which he created the church in the world. To make Jesus known. That it would be about him. It's his church. It's his gospel. It's his message. It's his spirit. It's his power that will bring it about. Jesus should flow off of our lips easier than anything else, more than anything else. When people need answers, Jesus should be flowing off of our lips. When it comes time to be thankful and praise and good things happen in our life, Jesus should be flowing off of our lips. When it's hard and it's dark and we're desperate, Jesus should be flowing off of our lips. When we need answers and we need help and we don't know where to go, Jesus should be flowing off of our lips. Everything that God has ever done, will ever do, all the spiritual blessings that exist in the heavenly places are in Jesus. In Him. There's nothing else. <laughs> there is nothing else. And we get to be his people. 
He's everything and God gives us to him as a gift and lets us be his church. Your life this week can be about him. (laughs) He can be doing this work in and through you this week. What else? One more. Yeah. God the Father... Jesus the Son. And God the Holy Spirit. And even though I put Jesus' name there, he's also God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all work together to accomplish his purpose. This is the united work of God, and we've seen that God the Father has blessed us in Jesus, and we see all those things in Jesus that we just walk through, and then we get down here, like the the completion, the the experience that we have right now in the present, and the completion of it in the future, is the promised Holy Spirit coming, living, bringing the Spirit is bringing about in us the things that the Father has intended, and the things that the Son has bought for us. The Father sends the Son, the Son dies and purchases us, and, and, and then they send the Spirit, and the Spirit is the one, is like the working power of all of that from God in us to bring about His purposes. Let's go ahead. I'm going to transition right here for us as we wrap up. And uh, it's probably another five, seven minutes before we take the Lord's Supper. So, Lisa, if you're hearing me, you don't have to get the kids just yet, otherwise they'll be in here too soon. But in a few minutes, we're headed that way. And you know how I am when I say five to seven minutes, but I'm going to do my best. All right. So this is God accomplishing his purposes. Two things I want you to see. This is so close to what Adam said earlier, but I just feel like if I skip over it, that it will just be missing something. Like all of this in this section, there's something else that according to the purpose of his will gets repeated a lot, but there's also this other phrase right here that gets repeated. Everything that God has done in the gospel all of his eternal purposes, all of his purposes being worked out in time when you hear the gospel and believe and he saves you and claims you and makes you part of his church. Three times here he uses this phrase, to the praise of his glorious grace. And here's another great indicator that this thing isn't about you, it's not about me. And that if we do this in a way that it's to the praise of our glory, that it builds up our name either individually, like if you make up... like. I'm a good person, I'm pretty disciplined. With my self-determination and willpower, I'm going to become better. Who gets the praise for that? But the religious stuff that grows out of self-reliance doesn't fit the eternal purpose of God. Because if you did it, you get the credit for it. And God is saying that he's designed this entire thing by his grace through the gospel of Jesus so that it would be the praise of his glory. That at the end of the day, we would look at our lives and we would know the truth. Every truly good thing in me, every lasting spiritual thing, is because God did something for me and God did something in me, and it's to His credit. It's to His glory. And so anytime, that's the the devastating part about not really knowing who God is and not being focused on who God is, is it doesn't matter what we do or how good it looks. If it's not about Him, we miss it all. Like, it's not like, well, that was still okay. It misses the whole point. 
that he has designed all this in a way where it is about him. It's good for us. I mean, here, the praise of his glorious grace. Do you know how good grace is for us? Like super, super, super good. So this is good for us, but he's made it good for us in a way that's always about him for his glory. And, just, and Paul knows, like he knows. If I say that once, they're not going to hear it. And so I skipped one of them already, but here's the next one. Verse 12, to the praise of his glory. Again, oh, I didn't skip it. Here's the other one. To the praise of his glory. That everything we've talked about today, everything we've talked about through the past three weeks, if you start to understand it, like really, what it will produce in you is praise and worship and thanksgiving. You'll glorify God. And I think this is a good heart check for us because if we read this and the main thing we walk away with is I don't understand this part or that part or that can't be true and we don't praise God for his grace, we're not hearing it yet the way God intends for us to. And that's okay if you'll do this. If you'll come and say, God, right now my heart isn't hearing this the way it's supposed to. Help me. Like, there's no shame in the fact that you come to a hard doctrine and, and you don't just get it all the first time. None at all. What we do then is we confess, hey, this just reveals my heart isn't responding to this section of Scripture the way that you say my heart should respond to it. Help me. Change my heart. <laughs> do in me the things that you promise. I can't change my heart. I can't make myself love something that I hate. I can't make myself understand something that makes no sense to me. Change me. You, and I confess to you, I'm not where I need to be. Change me. Change me so that I worship you more. Change me so that I praise you more. Change me so that I love you more. Change me so that, so that my life is for the praise of your glory more and more and more. This is just another reminder that you've got to do it and I can't. This is another reminder of how dependent I am on you. This is another reminder that this is your whole work and I need you to do it in me. And right now I'm trusting you and asking you to do it in me. So, so see that. And then... We've talked a lot about this power that God's given, that, you know, that the fullness of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, all of who God is, is coming to work to bring this about. And I connected this again to the prayer in Ephesians 3. There's a second prayer right here. Um, and there's a group of guys that, I think it was four years ago now, we were studying through Ephesians with the group, and we decided that we were going to start praying that prayer in Ephesians 1 and the prayer in Ephesians 3 um, every day, just for each other. And then a couple of years ago, when um, the elders asked me to step into a role here, I, I pray it for us every day as a church, these, these two prayers. And I, I want the reason I included it this morning, we're not going to spend a lot of time studying it yet. We'll get there in a couple of chapters. But I want to ask you, if just one of these steps, we're talking about starting new community groups and moving forward this fall and, and just saying, hey, it's kind of like just a fresh start when school starts and it's a new season and let's anticipate some new stuff that God's going to do. Let's expect some new things. Let's be open to what do you want us to do? What, how do we move forward as your church? I'm going to ask you, would you consider taking that prayer in Ephesians 1 and this prayer here at the end of Ephesians 3 and praying it on a daily basis? And maybe first you just read through it every day. Over time, for me, you, know, you read through it every day for a long time, and it kind of gets in your heart and mind, and you know it, and then it kind of grows until oh, that's what this means. I'm going to pray for these things out of that prayer. I'd love to see. Can you imagine if a church just said, we're going to pray the Word of God, like two of the biggest prayers that we find in the whole Bible, dealing with these epic, supernatural power and grace of God on a level we can't comprehend. If an entire church just said, we're going to pray this every day together. 
And we're, we're going to ask God for the very things that he tells us to ask him for in his word, and we're going to see what God does. And so I'm going to ask you to consider that. Would you pray through these two things? And, and as we work toward this prayer in chapter 3, I want you to see where it ends. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So whatever you're going to ask him in prayer, he can do that. He can do more than that. He can do far more than that. He can do far more abundantly than that. So I've got a dare for you. See if you can ask him for more than he can do. See if you can pray for him to do something in your heart and in my heart and in this church and in the world that's beyond what he's willing to do in Jesus. Let's ask for everything. That's the application today. Ask for all of it. I want to believe him for all of it. I want to believe that he's doing it right now. It doesn't, it doesn't have to look to us like he's doing it because what he does happens in the spiritual realms in a place that we can't see with human eyes. It has to be the eyes of our heart that see it. We see it by faith. And, and so the deal is he's already doing it. Right? He's been doing it from all eternity past. But by prayer, we check into that. We connect with that. And so I'm just asking you, as we head into the fall, will you start asking? I'll ask with you. I don't have it. I can't give it to you, but he does. And so I'll ask. Will you ask? Let's ask for more than we've ever asked for. Let's believe him for more than we've ever believed. And listen, I'm not just talking about the human stuff we measure. I'm talking about a spiritual work of God in our hearts and the spiritual movement of God in his world. And so here in a couple of weeks, I'd love for you to start praying these prayers this week, but here in a couple of weeks, my thought is, unless God redirects us, you know, we started the year with a prayer service. If you were here the first Sunday, we were in Acts, and we just walked through a section of Acts. We're like, let's bring out some prayer truths. Come on in, Teresa. The kids are going to come in while I'm talking right here as we're headed to the Lord's Supper. You all can come in if you can hear me. She's like peeking in the window back there. Come on in. I'm wrapping up. We're close. Hey, kids, you can find your parents. Parents, find your kids. I know there's going to be a little bit of movement, but if you'll just stick with me a minute, I'm just telling you where we're going. We prayed through that section of Acts to start the year. I want us to pray through one and three together here in a few weeks. We're going to have another prayer. So, I mean, I'll, I'll be up here and we'll walk through it and say, what's this say? Let's pray for that together. You know, and we'll take two to three minutes and pray for that section. What's this say? Let's pray through that together. But I'm also going to ask you, and we'll, let me get a little farther in to know like what Sunday that's going to be, but I'm going to ask you to consider coming in that day in a state of fasting, a state where we would say, God, we need you spiritually more than we need food physically right now. And we want to be dependent on you. So maybe, and, and maybe if you haven't fasted much, maybe you get up that morning and you just fast breakfast. You know, so you ate supper and we come in and we all, we're fasting to lunch. Maybe if, if fasting is a regular thing for you, like eat lunch, skip supper, and we'll be in a 24-hour fast together. And if you want to do more than that, that's fine too. Um, but whatever Sunday that is, I, I would love, I'm, I'm inviting you, you don't have to, but that we would come together as a body fasting together, and then we're going to pray through these sections together. And I just, Keith and I were talking on Thursday. We were doing lunch together. And it just feels like, to me right now as a church, it's time for us to say, okay, where do you want us to go now? Um, 
I know we've had, like, we came out of the pandemic, and, and we had transition of leadership, and, and then we've had, you know, this financial uncertainty. And so we said, okay, we want to settle, and we want to settle on who God is, and there's this foundation. But we've done that, right? And we're going to keep doing that. But it also feels like if we wait till everything's certain, <laughs> you're never going to do anything for the rest of your life. And we're not waiting till we're like, oh, I can look at what we've got, and we're good to go. That's not how this is going to happen anyway. God has everything. <laughs> he has it all. He has the power to raise Jesus from the dead and make him king and lord over all things, and he gives him to the church as our head. There's nothing for us to wait on right now. And so what we do is we ask. The only thing we're waiting on, you show us, you tell us, don't let it be our plans and purposes, let it be your plans and purposes. So I'm asking you, will you pray more? Pray these prayers. Let's fast together. Let's pray together. And then the steps we already know. We know we're supposed to be in relationship. We know we're supposed to be praying together and studying the Word together. We know that we're supposed to be in community groups. Not to be that name, but you know what I mean. Like studying the Bible together personally and in small groups and reaching other people. We already know that. And so will you pray about, are you supposed to be one of the leaders of those 10 new groups? Are you already in a group and your group can start a new group? Are you not in a group and we need to start a group? Or are you not in a group and you're like, I am still going to be a little bit hesitant, but I do want to get plugged into a group. That's great. Like, let us know so we can start planning and organizing. And then if three weeks from now our first Q&A session needs to be a whole lot about that, great. But it just when you see who the church is and you see how God is building his church, let's come together as his people and let's be his church by his grace, by his power, by his spirit. And that's why it looks like praying for us. If we're going to do it, the call today would be, hey, let's go do a whole bunch of stuff. We're not going to do it. He's going to do it. So the call is, let's ask him to do it. Let's trust him to do it. Let's pray together. According to the power at work within us, we come right back to it here at the end. To him be the glory. Do you see that? One more time. Like it's all the same. In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, the spread forever and ever. Amen. This is what he's calling the church to be and to do. And so I'm going to pray for us right now that God will move us in this direction, that God will do what only God can do. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And if you want to go ahead and be working to open those, I know sometimes it takes a second, that we know that here's how it will happen, not by our strength, but by Jesus' weakness. That his body was broken <laughs> so that the power of God could be poured out on his church. That his blood was shed so that his people could be forgiven that we could be made right with God, that we could be connected to God, that the reason that God's Spirit can live in you and God's power can flow to you and you can be Jesus' body and He can be your head is because God has forgiven you and taken away your sins and He's made you holy in Jesus. Like, Jesus' body and blood is why all of this is possible. God has done it all in Him. And so this is our reminder of that. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to take this together. Let's pray. Father, please drive these truths into our hearts. Truths of who you are. Father, please, by your Spirit, help us to grow in the knowledge of you. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may know the hope to which you've called us. The incomparable riches of your grace. Your great power that you pour out for those who believe. Father, help us to see Jesus alive and exalted 
and risen and ruling and reigning over all things. And then see the gift that you give us in Jesus, that you give him to us as your church. And Father, I pray that it'll change the way we live. I pray that it'll change the way that we think. I pray that it'll change what we expect and believe. Father, stir up us in us a faith that believes all of it, everything, everything you've promised, everything that you've said, everything that you offer in Jesus. Father, help me to believe it. Help us to ask for it. Father, let us see it. Do it now. Please do it now. In Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Jesus said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. this cup is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins do this in remembrance of me we're going to sing two more songs of worship together I pray that in your heart in my heart this is to the praise of his glorious grace we're going to have elders and staff, pastors, wives down here. If you want to pray with somebody, talk with somebody, we'd love for you to come down during this time. This is not the only time that you can do that, but this is just the time we're making available. I'm going to ask you one more time. This week, will you pray Ephesians 1 and 3 together with us as a church? And not just, I'm saying, will you start this week? These two prayers in Ephesians 1 and 3. Will you ask God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? What does this look like? It's just these Father, what do you want us to do next? What do you want to do in your church? Will we just start praying together in that direction? And will you pray about the involvement that God wants you to have in making disciples this way, through prayer and the word, in community, sharing your life with each other? Ask him. Ask him for everything. Believe him for everything. Will you join us in praying that way and just focus in our hearts in that direction? That's the request for this week. So if you'll stand, sing with us. Let's worship together right now and come and pray with somebody if you need to.